Welcome to the Connected Spirit Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Dawson. I'm a professional psychic medium and mentor. In this show, I'll be sharing my personal experiences as a psychic medium and discussing my journey of mediumship development. But that's not all. I'll also be bringing in amazing guests to talk about fascinating topics like near-death experiences, spiritual awakening, astro traveling, encounters with beings from different dimensions, energy healing, and more. Together through open and honest conversations, we'll change the way we think and support one another. My hope is that these discussions will help you connect with your own spirit and feel seen and validated in your own unique experiences. So join me as we dive into inspiring conversations that push boundaries and encourage personal growth. Get ready to explore new perspectives and embrace the power of connection. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Connected Spirit Podcast. I am really so blessed to be able to do the work that I do and to be able to connect with like-minded people, fascinating people, educated people who have worked in all different various fields of scientific work, medical work, uh, spiritual work, and have been able to bridge the gap between their, their professional work and incorporating the mediumship. And today's guest is no exception, but she is exceptional. Her name is Kate Stakem. She is a licensed clinical social worker, an evidential medium and founder of clinical mediumship, which is the practice of bridging mental health skills and mediumship to support life-changing healing and growth. Kate is a firm believer that mental wellness is achieved when we learn to connect to spirit for comfort, validation, and love, and listen in and respond to the soul for wisdom and direction. Kate is also an experiencer of neurodivergence, which is the sudden loss of a caregiver as a child and perinatal trauma. She experienced her mediumship as a very young child, and she was called to strengthen that connection with the world of spirit after the challenges she faced through the perinatal period, including the diagnosis of a life-threatening congenital anomaly of her firstborn child. Wow. Previously, Kate worked in psychiatric emergency services, community-based mental health care, and as an outpatient psychotherapist in her own private practice. And within her practice, Kate has specialized in adolescents and young adults who didn't fit into societal expectations and norms. Today, Kate combines her clinical skills and evidential mediumship to help others reduce barriers and live more soul-centered lives. I love that so much. And I just really want to take this opportunity and thank you so much, Kate, for being on the show. Welcome. How are you? I'm so well. Thank you so much for having me on. I am thrilled to be here with you today. Kate, like, I don't usually read everybody's bios, but um, I even kind of trimmed that a little bit. You have such a fascinating journey. And during our time together, I'd really love to talk about that and delve into that. So you are a woman that is a you know clinical social worker, but you're also an evidential medium. And I'd love to learn more about this amazing work. Can you share a bit about how clinical mediumship combines mental health skills and mediumship to support you know healing and growth? Where did that come from? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And I always like to say, I really am first a medium, right? Just as I feel so many of us are that 
first and foremost, I'm a medium, but then I was called to be in the helping field. And I always was kind of like, why am I doing this? I never liked therapy. I was the kid forced into therapy. And then I ended up being a therapist. And, and so looking back, I know exactly why, right? As, as so many of us do. So what I do in clinical mediumship is I combine the safe space, being able to be held in a safe space in a relationship that exists over uh, multiple sessions. And with the clinical skills that I bring through psychoeducation, so through providing information to um, the person I'm supporting, along with evidential mediumship. So along with bringing forward messages from their loved ones in spirit. And so that is just, it melds into this beautiful, just call, I'm seeing a cauldron, my spirit team, a beautiful cauldron of magic, really and truly. That is incredible. So I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your personal journey, because it's really inspiring. You know, How did your own experiences with like neurodivergence and perinatal trauma shape your path as a social worker? Yes. Thank you for asking. And in so many ways, it, it, it it transformed it completely. So as a child, uh, not only was I a medium, not only was I communicating with the spirit world and experiencing how that feels, feeling a little bit odd, I also was diagnosed with ADHD. And, And back in my generation, that was really being stamped on a lot of individuals and likely so, I understand, but who didn't quite fit into societal norms. And you know, I, I wasn't learning in the same way that other kids were. I was questioning things all the time. I was questioning authority. And so I shined my light and I didn't apologize for it. And so life wasn't always easy for me. Um, Thankfully, I had really loving and supportive parents. And so they helped me really find out who I was within that system, within the system that did exist at the time. And I wound up in social work again. So I wound up in this in this field where I didn't know, again, I didn't know why, because I'm like, I didn't like social, like I didn't like therapy. I wanted to do it my way. And so I ended up going the traditional route because nothing else was available, or at least I thought, right? And my, I did lose my, uh, one of my primary caregivers was my grandfather and I lost him tragically around the age of 12. And I feel that that really also instilled this connection to spirit because I began seeing mediums actually, and I enjoyed seeing mediums instead of seeing therapists during that really trauma, you know, traumatizing time in my life. And so that instilled the foundation of what spirit is and how spirit is healing and that our loved ones are only a thought away. They're right. They're right with us at all times. And so along with that, of course, I started to just grow in my own framework of what this means and how this all works together. And then my firstborn, excuse me. I was 
Um, I had a really typical pregnancy and we were ready around 36 weeks. We went into an ultrasound, a plan ultrasound to check out her growth. And we were diagnosed. My daughter was diagnosed with a life-threatening congenital anomaly called a congenital diaphragmatic hernia, which is extremely rare. And you would never even know what this was if, if it didn't happen to you or somebody you love. And we really were faced with you know, our world was turned upside down. Her survival was certainly not guaranteed. And uh, we had to truly surrender. And when I say we, this is me, my husband, and of course, all of our loved ones behind us. And I went into that experience not as connected as I would have liked. I don't feel looking back that I had all of the tools that I wish I had. Um I was always faithful. I was always spiritual, but I don't feel like I had enough in my toolkit. And so I surrendered and we moved through that. But through that trauma came my reconnection to my soul and to the spirit world. And so my grandfather started stepping forward regularly. My other loved ones in spirit started saying, hey, we're right here with you. You know, we we want you to know we're here. And believe it or not, this opening started happening in between therapy sessions. So this was during COVID and I was doing telehealth. And it happened literally in the work, right? And I say this wasn't a coincidence because spirit was like, see, you're supposed to be bringing both of these together. And so I started to develop my own relationship with spirit again. And wow, I am a medium. And how does this look like in my daily life? How does this continue to evolve into my professional life? And then last but not least, how am I connecting to my soul? And in what ways is this helping my trauma and my mental health in one of the most challenging times in my life? And so all of this came together, truly picture perfect. Right. But in in a divine way of leading what would become clinical mediumship and exactly what I do today. That is absolutely incredible. I want to go back just a little bit here. So when your grandfather transitioned to the world of spirit, you started going to see mediums. So you were seeing mediums at age 12. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. And and how did you find these mediums and were your parents on board and supportive of this? Yes, I am so lucky that at the same time that my grandfather died and passed over to the spirit world, my mother was also being called to look into mediumship and started, you know, again, as so many of us experience, like the books falling off the shelves, people, you know, people leading her towards certain resources. And so we did, we had a fellow a, a medium that other loved uh, loved ones friends family members had been to and we just, we connected with her and I felt safe I just remember that I remember to this day sitting with her and crying because I just knew and I have the chills right now ex- experiencing that again because I just knew he was there I just knew it was him. And I was, yeah, I was like 12 or 13. At the, I don't know exactly how soon after his passing, but it was soon. And it was soon enough for 
the world of mediumship to completely transform my life, not only again, professionally and what I soon would be come, but my own grieving process of losing him. You know, yes. I, that is just so incredible. I know so many people that, I mean, including myself have experienced the loss of a loved one at a young age and mediumship isn't always accessible in the sense that if we're young and don't understand one, that it's available, we miss out on that. And two, elders, you know, parents, aunts, uncles, whomever, like our support system, the the adult people in our life may not believe in this. And then that is such a beautiful resource that is really out of reach, which is so unfortunate because even in the work I do, I see how it helps when parents bring in their kids and I go, wow, you know, I wish, even though I was still aware of spirit from a young age ago, that would have been so, so transformative and healing for me. And I'm so just excited for you, even though you had this extreme loss as someone that you love so deeply that you were still able to have those connections with him, but just in a different way. Yes. Oh, you're so blessed, sweetheart. I love that. Thank you. And I know, and I know that, and I'm so grateful. I say this over my, my mom's my biggest cheerleader and she was so much a part of that because if it weren't for her saying, Hey, you know, therapy's not working. Like that is not going to help you move through this. Let's try something else. And it just clicked. I was like, this works. I get this. It's incredible. And you know, you mentioned, and I know it was in your bio too, like you've been aware of your mediumship, aware of the spirit world from a young age. And I'm just curious, how have your mediumship abilities evolved over time from being a young person to sensing the spirit world to, to where they are today? And what really, what have you found that's really helped support you in your growth and involvement as an evidential medium? But I guess there's a couple of questions in there. Well, I love that question so much. And I, I want to start a little bit with the, the second part is love and acceptance of who you are, I feel is number one here, right? Because the moment I accepted my sensitivities to really all energies, right? Not only just the spirit world, but as an empath path and, you know, as a neurodivergent kid, my brain just is oriented differently. The moment I really recognized this is powerful. This, this is a way to heal me, not necessarily heal others, but this is an avenue towards my own healing that opened it up. And so what I will say is, is the fear was a major factor as a kid. It was very much everywhere all the time is, is what I like to say. So it was coming at me in all directions. And I lived in an old house just with a lot of energy, a lot of stuff kind of moving around at all times, whether it be from my loved ones or whatever we may believe, but there was certainly a lot going on. And I was very clear audience. And so as a child, I would hear objectively and it would absolutely terrify me. And I didn't want to be any part of it. Right. And so there was a lot of shutting down. There was a lot of, I just don't want, I don't want it yet. And I wasn't ready. Right. I wasn't ready. 
And so for, I would say majority of my time, you know, here in the physical living up through that perinatal trauma, it was very much just keeping it at bay, quote unquote, right? Like I'm connected. I know it's there, but I'm just not going to do anything with it. Okay. And, and spiritually I was still, you know, I believed in something greater than, but it wasn't utilizing that connection in, in, in my own way. And so it was up until that point when my grandfather stepped forward that I said, I am ready. I am ready to use this as a way to heal myself and let that extend, right? And so then it, then it began, wow, this is so healing. I'm meditating. I am connecting. I'm finding solace and comfort in my own soul. And then I am getting comfort and validation from my everything, right? From, from, from my number one, my grandfather and finding, you know, guidance in, in all of the, all of the ways. And so then that started to extend and I, and I said, okay, I think it's time to really learn from others. I think it's time to learn. I'm a very, it's so funny. I'm a very traditional learner now in the ways that I wasn't as a child. So I, I went down the road of mediumship very traditionally and I learned from many, many gifted spiritualists, spiritualist mediums, and I found the right person, spirit, of course, right? They always lead you in the right direction. And I just evolved from there. I, I dove into circles. I dove into very traditional courses and learned the way, learned my way too of, of communicating and then eventually, how does this all unfold in my work? And and that took a while, but I went the very traditional route at first, which was perfect. It's exactly what I needed. Me too. And it's interesting. And I don't know, maybe we can have another conversation about this sometime because it's just brewing in my mind. So many psychic mediums that I know have ADD or ADHD. And it is incredible to me how, including myself, like I wasn't even diagnosed till I was 26. It was a real issue for me. And it has been, you know, I even tried the medicine route, but I'm so sensitive that it just didn't work for me. And I was like, forget it, but it actually helps me so much in my work. And I don't know, maybe we'll have to talk off show and, and maybe see if we can come up with that episode because it's so fascinating to me, but I, I am a hundred percent in agreement with you about like the traditional learning within the spiritualist churches, because that's where I started my development. You know, I sat in circle for seven years, did all the workshops, all of that. And do you, don't you find like within the spiritualist churches that, besides spiritualism being, you know, a science, a religion, a philosophy, but it's very grounded in its mediumship foundations and its training. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And it, and it helps you to feel comfortable and secure, right? And I think coming from somebody like myself, who your first experience of being a medium is scattered. It's, unsupported. And so I needed the, the, I needed the path. Like I needed a path. I needed lesson one, lesson two. I needed the structure is the word. I needed the structure necessary to feel safe and to feel supported. And I don't regret one 
second of that education and support, not one second of it. I am so in agreement with you, girl, because, you know, we can have these natural abilities, but we do need to have someone help us understand what they mean. How does this work and how we can better understand ourselves and the world of spirit too. So training is super important. I love that. You know, I really want to kind of touch on understanding more about the impact of connecting to the spirit world on mental wellness. Can you maybe share some examples from your practice where this connection has brought comfort and validation to people that are coming to you who are seeking healing? Absolutely. So I will touch on that in two ways. Number one being the soul and connection to spirit world, meaning something greater than, but also to your own self. And then number two being connection to the spirit world via loved ones, and then also God, universe, what have you. I I talk about spirit in small s and big s. And so big s to me is God and universe and small s to me is loved ones, angels, however you connect to, to other energies or love, you know, or people, souls in the spirit world. So for one being that what I didn't recognize, actually, let me start with first, first and foremost, it's just recognizing that you're not alone, right? One of the, the biggest things that's plaguing us. And I, and I find specifically in the West is this feeling of isolation and being alone in your own experience, right? It is absolutely contributing to the mental health epidemic that we are facing. And so that to me, if anything, is the biggest takeaway is that you are not alone. And that can be accomplished very in various different ways, right? That can be accomplished in evidential messages that can be accomplished in meditation and connecting to your own soul and listening in and knowing how that feels. How does that relationship evolve? How do you communicate with your soul? There's countless ways of creating that relationship in, in something greater than. But what I have found is that when people are coming to me, what ended up evolving was that I was recognizing that not only were they able to identify that and recognize that they're not alone and that of course their loved ones are watching over them, but they were able to actually heal mental health challenges here in the physical world through the messages that their loved ones were sending them. And so it wasn't always just about the relationship, but it was beyond that, right? Because I imagine we can all think of people who knew us earlier in life, in our life here in the physical world, who have pieces to the puzzle that we are not aware of, right? So it's, for instance, my grandfather stepping forward and saying, Kate, you know, at age five, I saw this in you, but you didn't see it. And do you see how that played out? Or, you know, this instance with, with grade, you know, all of the different scenarios that we can think of in our own lives. And so they give us the pieces to the puzzle to then create our masterpiece. And that's the work that I see with clinical mediumship being the most empowered, because it's not just about your relationship, but it's how are you now taking 
the tools, the, the awareness that you have gained from this and moving forward. And that's where I bring my clinical skills too, because sometimes we have all of the, the puzzle pieces, but then we don't know how to put it together. Right. So it's talking about that. So that's number one. That's like the, and that's the spirit piece. And then the soul piece that I work on is how are we focusing the mind, centering the body and connecting to spirit in order to listen in and respond to our soul. And so that's the soul centered work that I do, which I include within my clinical mediumship work, but it's separate from the mediumship messages that I deliver. That is absolutely incredible. Oh my God, girl. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Mediumship is so important and it can be so healing, but I really am of the belief, Kate, that mediumship is a healing modality that really complements others, other tools such as, you know, clinical social work, uh, therapy of different types. And you're a living testament to that with your work. That's absolutely incredible. Now you have specialization in working with adolescents and young adults who really don't kind of fit into societal expectations. Can you maybe talk a little bit about how you approach therapy with this demographic and how you help them live more soul-centered lives? And why I'm so curious about that is because even in my own work in the last, I'd say probably four years, just beginning pre-pandemic and then to where we are now, there are there are so many adolescents that are suffering suffering with mental health issues, addiction issues, trauma-related matters, and their responses aren't always healthy. And there seems to be, uh, from where I live in Canada and in the province I live in British Columbia, there seems to be a lack of support for for this demographic, for these young people who are our tomorrow, who are our future. So I'm just curious if you can maybe shed some light on how your work supports them to really live a soul-centered life. Yes, absolutely. First and foremost, understanding that our differences is what makes us the brightest, right? It's what helps us shine our light. It's societal expectations and it's the structure that society has placed on us of you need to do this in order to succeed, you know, A to Z mentality that has stripped us away from really listening in and really seeing the power within our differences, right? And listening and, and responding to our soul. So I do so much, you know, education just around those pieces of you have the power to question things. And this doesn't mean, you know, the word defiance comes up. This certainly doesn't mean being defiant. You know, you're still respectful. You still, you know, are you're still shining a really bright light. It's just that you're questioning your own rhythm. You're questioning your own why for how you're moving through the world and the ways that your soul is asking you to, right? Is guiding you to. And so that's a lot of it. It's giving them the permission to think beyond, right? I have so many adolescents that are like, I don't want to take math. Why do I have to take math? And I'm like, why do you have to take math? Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's, it's okay. So that's the structure that the educational system has put in place for us right now. This may not be forever, 
But is it important for you to put yourself in the best position to then be open to, to change in, you know, in different directions? Or do you want to just let math slide? And is that not important to you? Right. So it's, it's really helping them identify their own values and giving them the permission to ask and to explore all of it. That's so spot on. And I love that you're doing that because my son, he's 21 now, but I just remember in high school, middle school, high school, we had some challenges. He's got ADHD too, but he's actually, it's actually benefited him now as a young man he's okay. And it seems like, I don't know if he's outgrown it, but it's certainly advantageous. The ADD part is advantageous for him. But my God, I remember him just being so cheeky at times. I thought was cheeky, but really he's not because that's a societal expectation. He had no qualms about telling his teachers. I don't agree with that. Why are you teaching me this? And he always did that. And he was never rude. That's one thing I'll say about my son. He's got Hmm. really manners but like he'd try to open up the dialogue and sadly these teachers really had not much of a rebuttal or a response and how sad is that when these kids are on to something and they're wanting to express themselves and they're seeking answers there's not a freaking person that is able to for whatever reason you know because of the people they work for politics etc that these kids are left in the dark with unanswered questions yes Yes. Yes. And that where's the power? Where, where's the light? Mm-hmm. Again, what are we following? Right. What are we following? What's our goal here? And I will say COVID, you know, for all that it did and, and all of the, the, you know, there's so much to go into there, but <laughs> I do feel that I have been hearing more stories about first off, just the educational system in general being looked at potentially in a different way and saying, okay, here, there was so much highlighted, you know, within COVID. And I can speak only, I'm not an educator. I can speak only from the mental health perspective, but to me, there's so much highlighted within COVID um, regarding mental health and also the ways that the school was no longer able to provide direct support, right? And so it was what are we supporting within the school system? What are we not supporting within the school system? And I just think it caused a lot more questions. And I think that's good. And I think, you know, it helped a lot of the kids start to say, this doesn't work for me, but this works for me. I really like this class. I don't really like this class. I'm realizing now that I'm home, you know, being forced to do these exercises, this definitely doesn't work for me. And so it just brought up more. And I'm hopeful that a more individualized way of educating our youth may come forward and so that we can help them really be them, be who they are meant to be every step of the way and listen in. That's so important because people, it's like, we can't quiet their voices and they shouldn't be quiet. Like these are the people that are going to be leading our nations and our governments. Like we got to support them. And I feel like we need to really step it up. And I know that even just from like my family, my son, and then seeing a lot of the clients that come to me, whether that be for my life coaching or in mediumship, you know, it's so, 
it's unfortunate, but yet then there's people like you that are really helping them move into the state of empowerment and recognizing their own soul whispers, their own soul voice and embracing that. That's really, really important. What advice would you give to people who are interested in, you know, looking at this intersection of mental health and spirituality? First and foremost, listen in and respond. So start gathering the data. Start recognizing what is your mind, body, and soul, and spirit communicating to you day in and day out. And just listen, right? We don't need to be changing anything in growing that relationship, but listening in with the intention for change and for further curiosity, that is everything and more. Because what we recognize is our emotions, our mental health, is communicating to us. It's telling us a story. It's telling us something. You do not have to be responsible for your own healing. However, you do have so much power for to listen and to gather all of the information you need to then take to somebody, right? Take into a more secure container that many different healing modalities offer. So I say that just because sometimes I think that can come across as you have everything you need. And sometimes we don't, right? Sometimes mental health can be really challenging, really challenging. However, you do have so much wisdom. You are, you know, your greatest teacher, your your greatest your soul gives you all the pieces you need. It's just about then knowing how to move forward, right? So to sum that up, listen in and respond. Start to gather data. You can create journal for yourself. You can just simply set the intention each and every day. I'm just going to take note of how did I move through my day? How did I feel today? What were the circumstances surrounding my day? I have something in, I, I have a program or workbook called the essentials. And in the essentials, I have something called a soul rhythm log. And the soul rhythm log is something that really sets that in motion, right? It it helps you take the assessment pieces that your soul is showing you. And just to be able to look at that and say, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize I moved through the day like that today. And I didn't realize that at 8 a.m. when I got that text message from this person that that really spoke something like something really strongly to me that I didn't recognize at the time. And you start to see these chains right over the course of your day. And that can be really powerful for change can be really, really powerful for change. Absolutely. And the power of you know, reflection is priceless. We get so busy just going through our day-to-day day that we don't realize how much we actually entertain, for lack of a better, you know, term, our responses. Like some stuff we give our energy away to that's not necessary. And then with reflection too, we can go, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that was a trigger for me. Something to look at, something to heal, right? And it's not something that has to be completed in a day, everybody who's listening. It's a lifelong journey. We are on this beautiful path of, you know, self-discovery and healing and growth. And, you know, just 
embrace it for what it is and always be gentle and kind and compassionate with yourself. Please, please do that. Kate, I would love for you to let my listeners know anything you got up and coming, how they can get in touch with you. Absolutely. So you can get in touch with me at www.katestakem.com as well as Instagram and Facebook at Kate Stakem. And the one thing that I just launched is my workbook. As I mentioned, it's called The Essentials, a soul-centered jumpstart guide to soul-centered living for mental wellness. And if you're just curious to get a little tidbit of what it's like working with me and my clinical framework and my way of really guiding people towards a soul-centered way of living, that is a go-to for me. It gives you a really quick, nice snapshot into how I work and the strategies and tools that I use day in and day out. That's incredible. And everybody, Kate's contact info is in the show notes. Check it out. Go follow her on social media and be inspired like I am. And Kate, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your voice with my listeners. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Connected Spirit Podcast. I hope you enjoyed diving into this beautiful conversation. And if you loved what you heard, be sure to subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. Your feedback means the world to me, and it helps me reach more people who can benefit from these conversations. Remember, you're not alone in your spiritual journey. So stay connected with me on social media. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram. My handle is at Medium Courtney Dawson. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter, The Connected Spirit, and the link is in the show notes. Keep exploring, keep growing, and always remember that there's a greater purpose guiding you on this incredible journey. Until next time, stay connected and embrace the power of your spirit.